Hello and welcome to Living Hope. This is Pastor Staten, and I want to welcome everybody that is joining us today. A shout out to our E family, all of you that are joining us through the internet. I want to remind you every Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, you can join us live at tv.livinghopemd.com. I pray that today's message blesses you and that you enjoy the word as it is shared today. I'm so lost to be found, and I know it's in my mind. If you're weary, I'm your rest. If you're hungry, I'm the bread. If you're thirsty, I'm the water. Come on, if you need strength, I'm the source. Come on right now, whatever you need, Jesus is the answer. Whatever you came today in need of, Jesus is the answer. He is the solution. He is the remedy. He is the way maker. Hallelujah. He is the breakthrough. In the name of Jesus, God, we worship you today. Lord, everything that is needed in this house, Lord, I'm so thankful today that you don't leave it up to us in human capability to have to find the answer. But you simply said, if I be lifted up, if I would be lifted up, then I would draw men unto me. I am the source. I am the solution. I'm the remedy. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. One more time. Why don't we give God a hand clap of praise? Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. The Lord bless you. Amen. Because of conditions that are, I'm presuming, not getting better as we go on. We're going to move forward in the service. Amen. I do want to thank you. I know all of you had to travel some of the same roads to get here, so thank you. I know that you could have certainly could have stayed home and we wouldn't have blamed you for doing that amen you can be seated for just a moment well for a little bit uh, we're going to get into the scripture here in just a few minutes uh, but I want to introduce to you today our theme for 2021 and uh, the theme is going to be resource I don't know if you can see that graphic um, uh, I want to thank Khadija and our uh, multimedia team for putting together some of these graphics for us but our theme for 2021 is going to be resource, and uh, we're going to talk to you about that here in just a moment. I'm going to preach on the topic and the usage, the application. I understand the word resource can mean a lot of things, but I, the way that I feel like God means it for our church in this year, I'm going to preach to us in just a moment about that. But for that, for the time being, I just want to state that the vision for 2021 is resource, as part of that, we're going to give to you an opportunity to engage in the vision of this year's theme by joining with us in our 2021 vision offering, so the resource offering. And I'm going to uh, talk kind of through the purpose of the offering, and uh, we're gonna, I'm going to share with you kind of what our vision behind the offering, where it will be going. Uh, I do want to state up front that this vision offering that we're, we're going to take up today, and it'll be a commitment today that we're asking for, not necessarily that you give today, but whatever you're able, whatever you feel God uh, moving upon you. I know my wife and I have already been praying about the amount we're going to be giving, but I, I do feel that. I feel God can prompt you in what to give. Uh, and, and so the other part of that that I would ask is uh, that it's not, you say, you know, if we're going to give to the offering, then we'll take it from what we give in our tithing. Uh, that defeats the purpose of the offering. All right, and, and I'll share kind of what, what I mean by that. So uh, this past year, we were, 
and you, ushers, you can go ahead and hand those out. Thank you, Brother Belandingham. Um, but in both 2019 and in 2020, in 2019, we did a vision offering, and right at $40,000 is what came in in that offering. Uh, last year, we didn't do a vision offering, but in everything that went on, we were able to get a uh, one of the um, loans that was given by the government, and that was right at $40,000 that we were able to get. And uh, thankfully, we have been able to, I think everything that came in through that loan, we were able to put toward the building fund because you all continue to be faithful in your giving. We were able to put that money toward the building fund um, or I guess, I guess more um, technically what we were able to do is use the money that came to pay the salaries. That's what the money was given for. And then the money that would have normally paid salaries, we were able to put toward the building fund. Uh, so as a result of that, our building fund is doing uh, much better than it was. If you all remember when we moved in here because of some last expenses and things that went, uh, went on that we weren't expecting and then the, um, we had to put some money toward the, the soil and the, the grass treatment in the back. But we've been able to recover and the building fund is doing uh, much better. So I want to say thank you to all your faithfulness in giving. But what, what happens is through this vision offering when we give toward this, that allows us to, to upgrade some things that need to be upgraded and, as also, and also to put some money into our operating budget. So if, in other, if the tithing is a little bit low, we don't have to take it from the building fund. We can take it out of this offering, all right? Because I think we all agree we want to continue to build up that building fund toward phase two, amen? So uh, I'm going to share with you kind of the vision for the 2021 resource offering. The first thing that we're going to give toward is we have uh, some missionaries to Latvia, uh, Brother and Sister McLeod. Now, we've got a short video that we're going to show you in just a moment, but you might recognize Brother McLeod uh, joined us via the online and preached to us during the pandemic. I think it was a midweek service when we weren't able to be together. Brother McLeod ministered, so we've got a short video that we're going to start with, and so we'll go ahead and roll that right now. John chapter 6 tells an amazing story. A crowd of thousands has followed him one day to what the scripture calls a remote place. It's far from any resource or luxury. And it's in this moment Jesus bestows the responsibility of feeding the thousands upon his disciples. There's no grocery store near them, the market, it's quite a journey away. It seems like an overwhelming and really impossible task. In fact, Philip looks out over the crowd and tells the Lord that 200 denarii, which would be a half of year's wages, would not be sufficient to feed all these people. He sees the obstacle and he measures the steps forward, and the human metrics of time and money. It seems impossible. But Andrew makes his way through the crowd, seemingly looking for something. Certainly he knows that there's not enough there, but could there be something? The Bible lets us know that there is a lad, and he has something. Though the emphasis seems to be on its insignificance, for the scripture says that he had five small barley loaves and two small fish. But the focus should not be on the little amount he has, but on the fact he is willing to give it. 
a mother's lunch given to her son. It was only meant to sustain him for a day, but the fact he is willing to give what is his so others can partake is all that God was looking for. The miracle of that moment and that story that we still preach about over 2,000 years later is because the boy gave and the disciples distributed. The thousands were fed. I was reading this story from John chapter 6 in September of 2019, sitting in an apartment in downtown Riga, when the Holy Ghost spoke to me so clearly, and God said, This nation is the land, and here there is bread for the world. We do not just see Riga, but through Riga we see the world. We see the 15 nations and 300 plus million people of Northern Eurasia. We see the 76 nations and hundreds and hundreds of millions of people in Europe and the Middle East. We recognize the obstacles and in the metric of human calculation, in time and money, it seems impossible. But we are persuaded of the promises of God, for He said, with men it might be impossible, but with God all things are possible. We recognize the obstacles before us, but we are persuaded of this opportunity, that when God said, I will pour out of my Spirit upon all flesh, that He meant that. In spite of the obstacles and the difficulties ahead of us, we believe by partnering with national and local leaders, assisting them with training, that we can help prepare and position them for the prophecies and promises of God that were spoken about end-time revival, about a worldwide harvest coming to pass. We believe the eyes of God are fixed upon these lands, that the voice of God is speaking right now, and we are asking you to partner with us. Will you be like the lad and open your hands to enable the thousands, even the millions, to be impacted by what you have? Will you pray so God can send Will you pray so others can hear? I am appealing to you today on behalf of the hundreds and millions of people in Europe and the Middle East. Join us. God is sending revival. Amen. So we, our desire is we want to send a minimum of an offering of $2,500 to help the missionaries in Latvia, the McLeod family, and certainly there are others uh, that are there with them working to uh, bring the gospel to uh, that part of the world. Uh, the next item that we want to uh, address through this offering is uh, we, we want to put $10,000 toward a church sign. We want to get a nice sign put out there. Uh, the one that we have, uh, I think we've squeezed all the juice out of that lemon. Uh, I think it's time for a new sign. It served its purpose, and it's ready for somebody to come and uh, say, tag, you're not it anymore. Uh, we got a new sign. So uh, $10,000 we want to put toward uh, just getting a nice sign put in out there. I think we can all agree that would really represent our church well. And so that's the next item is that. The third item is I want to have Sister Monk come, and she's going to share 
some exciting information with you. Thank you, Pastor. Sister Valerie, I know she wishes you could be here today. Uh, so the first part, many of you know um, that I am going to be going to the Netherlands as an associate in missions uh, here as soon as possible, actually. <laughs> so I just wanted to share a little bit about that. Um, the first part of my journey towards associate in missions um, began a little over two years ago. Um, it was during that time that I had that feeling I'm sure you're all familiar with, there has to be more. And I was unsure of the next step to take, so I met with Pastor and Sister Staten, and they mentioned uh, that I should look into going um, on an AIM trip. So we prayed about it, and at that time, I just felt the Lord speak very clearly to me just to be still, that it wasn't time yet. So we did. We waited, and we prayed, and little did I know that a little more than a year later that that door would present itself again. So in August of 2020, I began to pray again about AIM with the Netherlands as the specific place that I would go. Uh, during that time, I will be honest, fear was a very present companion. With everything going on in the world and just going overseas out of my home country, I, it, I was fearful about it. But um, I again met with Pastor and Sister Staten, and with their blessing, I went ahead and submitted my application I took that step of faith, even though I was afraid. But it was during that process of waiting for approval that I believe God spoke to me. The Lord took me to the book of Esther. And we're all familiar with the scripture, the portion of scripture that says, for such a time as this. But it was the first part of that verse that stood out to me. Esther 4.14, it says, For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? The Lord reminded me that day that he doesn't need me, that he does, the gospel message will come to the Netherlands with or without me. But if it's without me, who's to say that my family will be saved? So it was in that moment that I said, okay, God, why not me? I'll go. Peace immediately followed. Approval from headquarters came and doors began and continued to open that are just beyond what I could have even imagined. God is doing an incredible work in the Netherlands. It is a country of 17.3 million people, and there are only four apostolic churches. I've already begun talking with and working with the missionaries there, and exciting things are happening. Thank God for the world of technology, because even though I'm not there physically, I can be there in a lot of ways and help them. Today, they baptized two young ladies. Um, we have a couple pictures of them. Sister Ellen could bring them up. Elena and Lysha were baptized today in the name of Jesus. Two weeks ago, Lysha was filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And I've got just a little video. It's like 13 seconds of just what happened today. They are rejoicing. The Bible says that all of heaven rejoices when one soul repents. And I'm so thankful for what God is doing here and in the Netherlands. I've been called to the Netherlands to serve. 
to serve God, to serve the missionaries and the people, to give my life for however long God asks me to so that the lost can be saved. Thank you all so much. I love you all. You guys are awesome. Thank you, Pastor. Jessica has been here, Sister Monk has been here 14 years and served the church very faithfully. And, uh, you know, we could just hold on and say, ain't nobody going. Brother Wilson, you're not going nowhere. Sister Monk, you're not going nowhere. But the kingdom of God is bigger than one location. And what I found is if you hold on to stuff that God's trying to move somewhere else, it goes bad for everybody. But when you start releasing and when, when God says it's time to go and you, and you let people go, then not only does, do they get blessed, but the local church gets blessed as well. And we want to bless Sister Monk. She's got about close to $1,000 she needs left for her budget for the time that she's going to be going about, I think it's three months, is that right? Three-month time period she'll be going as an AIM worker. She went uh, two weeks ago or last week to Texas, and they raised $2,000 to give her. So I kind of feel bad about her home church giving her half as much as another church, but we'll see what comes in. But I'd like for us at least to fill the rest of her budget that she has. How many think we can do that? We can bless Sister Monk as she goes to take the gospel to the Netherlands. Amen. The next item that we want to address is uh, I'd like to do something with our back wall. Uh, not that there's anything wrong with it, but more and more as people are joining us online, uh, I thought maybe kind of that pallet wall look with just some basic lighting shining up on it, nothing crazy. I don't want to put too much into it because when we build phase two, whatever we do in here is going to be torn down. So I'm looking at probably a $7,000 uh, budget to do something nice on this back wall so that when people are watching online, it looks a little bit more full back there. Uh, and then we need a new aux keyboard. The aux keyboard, uh, Brother Cade is just wore it out. And, uh, amen, he's heavy-handed. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know. I don't know. But, but we need a new aux keyboard. So, uh, anyway, that's $1,500 for the aux keyboard. And then the remaining 18000 if indeed we're able to get commitments toward a $40,000 offering, uh, the 18000 remaining, we go to our operating budget. So again, if, if we come up a little bit short through the tithing that comes in through the month to cover the expenses, we can take it out of that instead of taking it out of the building fund. All right? So the offering, today we're going to take commitments for that. And if you're online right now, there's some instruction that I can give you, but it's not due until the end of May. So you can pay it $100 at a time. You could pay... You know, a thousand, you know, if you're a 10 million at a time, I don't know. I don't know what your budget is. I'm, I don't want to limit God in what he might be trying to do today. So if you want to break it up into several million dollar payments, you can do that as well. No, you guys didn't even laugh at that when you're like, if I laugh, he'll think that I think it's funny and I'm not laughing. So it's not due until the last week in May and that's, that gives you 18 weeks. All right, if my math is right, that's 18 weeks for you to uh, pay on that, that uh, or to make, to, to, to make, um, to submit submittals toward that commitment that you would make today. For those of you that are viewing online, or for even those of you today that are in-house, if you would like to do it online, if you go to our church website and you go to the giving uh, selection at the top of the screen, that will take you to our giving page and you will see resource 2021 commitment as the first option on the page. If you click that, it will take you to an online commitment card. Now, for those of you that are here in person, you can utilize either the online commitment card or the physical card. And, uh, as, now, and as you give toward your commitment, so once you, if you're going to give online, when you go to the page for your giving, one of the fund options is the 2021 resource. So anything 
you give there is going to go toward these items that we just mentioned. Um, again, all we ask is, I'm not asking if you, okay, this is no, I don't know what you're committing to. It's between you and God, all right? I guess if I went in and looked at what your commitment is, then I would, I'm saying there's no pressure here right now. All right, all I'm asking is that we pray about this. And we ask God to lay some things on our heart. I believe that, that I spent some time in prayer asking God for direction and what we would give toward this year. And I believe if God led me to say, here's what we're going to do, then he'll lay it on the hearts of the church to respond uh, in, in like fashion. So I believe that we could see 80,000 come in. I, I do believe that. I believe God today might lay it on the hearts of those that are here today for 80,000. And then we could double everything that we've said, right? We could give 5,000 McLeods and 2,000 to Sister Monk and you know, we could get a real nice sign out there, right? One of them ones in Vegas that stretches into the sky and lights up the neighborhood. And uh, anyway, I don't know, shoots fireworks maybe once a month. Uh, anyway, may, perhaps even I know one need we have that I didn't put, we really could use a sprinkler system, an irrigation system for during the summer. But that, that I think is in lesser need than the others. But if it comes in and we have surplus, we'll put it toward that. Uh, anyway, so here's what I'm going to ask. I'm going to preach right now. We're going to preach the theme and it's always, you know, kind of what order do you do the, 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 the offering and what order do you do the, the preaching. And I kind of felt this would be the best way to do it. But what I'm going to ask you to do is spend some time in prayer, even as I'm going to be preaching. And at the end of the preaching today, we can fill out the cards and, and online you can fill those out as well. Amen? All right, if you would, turn with me to the book of Acts, chapter number 8. And I want to say thank you to Brother Johnson. He helped me with some of the legwork, some of the research in preparing for uh, the sermon today, I don't say that so that if I get a fact wrong, you can blame him. I think, uh, I think everything that I'll be preaching today is, is uh, historically and biblically sound, but uh, he took some of the, I, I had, we drove out to Indiana for uh, in IBC where Cameron is at, Indiana Bible College, they had their live recording Friday night, so uh, Josh helped me out with some of the, the uh, heavy lifting so that I could be ready for today, so I want to say thank you to Brother Josh for his help, amen. Also, um, just one point on the announcements that we made. It's not this coming Tuesday, it's the 9th. So Tuesday the 9th is the next ladies' meeting. Right, Sister Linda, I got that? Okay. And I don't think my wife will be teaching, all right? And it won't be on parenting. So pretty much everything I told you was wrong. Everything I'm about to tell you is right, all right? I'm going to make, make sure you understand. Everything I told you before was wrong, but what I'm about to tell you is right. All right, Amen. Um, now, I, I will say as, as well, as we get into this, I know that the, the beginning portion of what I'm going to share with you today is probably going to feel more like a Bible study than a sermon, uh, but if you'll, if you'll bear with me, hang with me for a little bit. I'm not going to preach real long today. Again, I know the weather is uh, frightful, but the fire in here is so delightful. So, <laughs> Acts chapter 8, somebody should write a song about that. Acts 8, verse number 1. My wife, I'm sure right now, is shaking her head at home. I feel it in the Holy Ghost. Acts chapter 8, verse 1. And Saul was consenting unto Stephen's death. And at that time, there was great persecution against the church that was at Jerusalem. They were all scattered. Everybody say they were scattered. They were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hailing men and women, committed them to prison. Verse 4, therefore they that were scattered abroad went everywhere 
preaching the word. Amen. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. I want us to move down to verse 14 if we could. Now, when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent them unto them, Peter and John, who, when they were come down, prayed for them in Samaria that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. The Bible says that Peter and John, who had been sent from Jerusalem to Samaria, laid hands on these believers that had not yet received the Holy Ghost, and when they did, they received the Holy Ghost. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise right now? Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. I want to preach today on our vision for 2021, the word resource, or maybe to help give it a sermon title, I would preach this morning from source to resource. Amen. God bless you. You could be seated. With the weather conditions outside decreasing the longer that we're here, I'm going to skip some of what I might normally utilize to shape a sermon. Normally, I might begin with some type of metaphor or some way to grab your attention especially in a vision-casting sermon, but I'm just going to jump right into the biblical text and its application for the spiritual outlook that I believe that God wants to give to us as a church in 2021. And I do believe that. I do believe that God today is going to give us some understanding. And, and I think that, again, it may not be, it may not, try, I can't tell you what July is going to look like. I, I really don't even know what February is going to look like yet. I don't know certainly what March it has in store. I we can't really plan, you know, some of the things that we might normally plan. But I do believe this, that God will give us understanding of how His Spirit is going to lead us and guide us into this coming year. Prior to Acts chapter 8, the church at Jerusalem had been the source for every spiritual necessity of Christendom. All of Christianity was contained in that one city of Jerusalem. In Acts 1 and 4... It was there that Jesus had commanded that the assembled believers, he commanded to them that they should not depart from Jerusalem. He said, I want you to go to Jerusalem and do not leave there. I want you to wait for the promise of the Father, which he would identify as the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. First of all, I would say today that Jerusalem was the place of promise. It was the source of promise. We go further on in Acts chapter 1 verse 12. They come to Jerusalem and they enter into an upper room where they would join together in one accord and in prayer and in supplication. Jerusalem was the place of prayer. It was their source of prayer. We continue on further in Acts chapter 2 verses 1 through 4. And we know the story here that they're in the upper room and in this in Jerusalem in the upper room. And there they are together when there comes a sound from heaven like as of a rushing mighty wind. And that sound fills all the house where they're sitting. The Holy Ghost is poured out upon them in cloven tongues like as a fire set upon each of them. And they all are filled with the Holy Ghost and speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gives them the utterance. Amen. Jerusalem was the place of power and outpouring. It was the source of power and outpouring. We continue on to Acts Chapter 2, beginning at verse number 41, and I'm just going to read. You can follow along with me. The Bible says, 
Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. The same day were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things in common. And they sold their possessions and their goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they, the Bible says, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. The church at Jerusalem was the place we find in this passage in Acts chapter 2, between verses 41 and 47, that Jerusalem was a place where physical, social, and spiritual nourishment could, could be found and took place for the body of Christ. All of that could be found in Jerusalem. Here, the church was fed through the breaking of bread. The church was supplied as they shared their resources. They would bring their resources. And, and I know some today that try to argue against the you know tithing being 10%. And, they say that there's no biblical mandate for that, that it was only under the law, which I, I, this is not a Bible study on tithing, but I would tell you that tithing was before the law. Tithing was certainly during the law, and tithing comes after the law. Tithing is a Bible principle. It is a doctrine. Amen. But for those that would argue and say, I think the New Testament is not under the law, well, then let me introduce you to the giving model of the New Testament church. The Bible says they brought everything and they laid it at the feet of the apostles and they trusted the apostles to disperse it as needed. Now, I don't want to I don't I don't want to fill that role. All right? But for those of you that feel like the tithe is not necessary and you say I'd rather give everything I've got to the church and trust you pastor to give back to me what I need, I guess you could submit to that model. The point is that they were physically fed in Jerusalem. It was a place where they broke bread together. It was a place where there was fellowship. It was a place that their physical needs were met. Their, the, they were supplied as they shared their resources one with another. They were strengthened in the word. The Bible says that they continued in teaching and in preaching in the temple daily. They were strengthened physically. They were strengthened socially. And they were strengthened spiritually in Jerusalem. Amen. Acts chapter 5 verse 42 tells us that they were daily in the temple and in every house and that they ceased not to teach and to preach Jesus Christ. Now I would tell you that there was opposition as they began to preach the resurrected Christ as they went. In fact we find in these first chapters of Acts that some of the apostles spent time in prison for preaching the name of Jesus, for preaching that Jesus was no longer in the grave, no longer in the tomb, and they spent time in prison for that. But for the most part, the church was doing very well in Jerusalem. Amen. The church was growing. And where there is growth taking place and where numbers are expanding, then there is strength in numbers. How many of you know if there's a group of five or ten of you that somebody can come and persecute you and destroy you, but when there's more of you, it's kind of like you can't get us all. If you persecute us, you might get a few of us, but you can't get all of us. And a church that had started at 120 on the day of Pentecost, the Bible tells us that in one day it grew by 3,000. And then in Acts chapter 4, verse 4, 
It tells us that in another day, 5,000 were added to the church. Simple math tells me we're at least at 8,120 that are in the church. If we go on from there, Acts chapter 5 verse 14 tells us that believers were more added to the church multitudes, both of men and women. That word multitude that is used there, the Greek word that it would have been used in the original text, means simply an impressive number. Now, if you ask me, Brother Roberts, 5,000 people adding to the church in one day is pretty impressive. But whoever wrote the book of Acts thought that wasn't impressive enough. And so they said, you know what, 5,000 is pretty good. But, but what happened in Acts 5 and 14 was even greater than that. A number that surpassed 5,000 people. In Acts chapter 6, verse 7, the, the Bible tells us that the word of God continued to increase. And that the number of disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. And many of the priests were obedient to the faith. The church is growing and expanding. There are some calculations that tell us that the church in Jerusalem numbered somewhere around 40,000 people, beginning with 120. And now it's grown safely, I would say, to over 20,000 in a two to three year period of time. That is explosive growth, that is dynamic growth. At this rate, the church must have been thinking if we keep growing like this, we're going to take over Jerusalem. If we keep growing like this, we're going to outnumber the Romans. If we keep growing like this, we're going to outnumber those that are living under Judaism. Christianity is about to take over the world. Literally everything that the church needed was at Jerusalem. Their worship was in Jerusalem. Their fellowship was in Jerusalem. Their power was in Jerusalem. Their strength was in Jerusalem. Jerusalem had become the source. One slight problem. Mark 16, 15, Jesus commanded his disciples, go you into all the world and preach the gospel. Matthew 28 and 19, Jesus told his disciples, go and teach all nations. Acts 1 and 8, Jesus said in some of his parting words, Jesus looked at that crowd of 500 that was around and he said, after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you you shall be my witnesses, yes, in Jerusalem, but also in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. What was intended to spread into all the world had become stuck in Jerusalem. A church that was called to go into all the world had extended no further than Jerusalem. And the problem is that Jerusalem had become the source. And I believe that much of what we're facing right now in North America is that the church has become the source, that the building has become the source, that what we do on Sunday has become our source, that if I need a blessing, all I've got to do is get to church on Sunday. If I need a breakthrough, all I've got to do, and I'm for that, I think you do need to come to church. You do need to come to the house of God. But if we're not careful, we let this building and what goes on inside of this building become our source. We let it become the end all of everything that God desires to do. And so God, in his infinite wisdom, said, I'm going to open up chapter 8 and we're going to stir things up a little bit. 
And we begin reading in Acts chapter 8, and we read that Saul begins with others that are joined with him, and they begin to bring great persecution against the church. They begin to persecute the church that is in Jerusalem. And the Bible says that as persecution comes, they are scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. But the Bible says, except for the apostles, uh, amen, that they, 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 they begin to scatter them. They begin to persecute them. And as they begin to scatter, I like what verse 4 says, uh, that they begin to preach the word everywhere they went, uh, everywhere that they begin to go as persecution came against what used to be their source. Uh, they begin to be spread out into Judea and into Samaria and into the uttermost part of the earth, and they began to preach the word. Persecution comes against the source, and they begin to scatter. Now let me tell you, when persecution comes, and I believe that persecution is coming to the North American church, and I, 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 I don't, I don't, I'm not Nostradamus, and I don't even know how much he really knew. Amen. I guess if you guess 10,000 things, maybe one or two of them has to come true. But I'm certainly no Nostradamus. I don't have a crystal ball. I'm I'm not even, I'm not a doomsday prophet, but what I can tell you is that persecution is going to come. And, and, and much like these early, early Christians, uh, that when persecution came, listen, if persecution does come, I'm not going to be in line saying, take me next. If you want to be that guy, then you can stand in front of me in line. All right, you can get a bunch of your friends and you all can line up in front of me. Listen, the apostles, yes, they were willing to lay down their lives, and they did so gladly, but they didn't just stand there and say, execute me. They said, I'm going to preach the gospel. If you're going to kill me, you're going to have to kill me preaching the gospel. If you're going to take me down, I'm not going to stop doing what God called me to do. I, I think if we're not careful, we have this mentality that the apostles were, were kind of uh, passive, uh, uh, I don't know what, the, i got to be careful what word I use here. Um, we'll, we'll, go with, we'll go with passive. Well, how's that? That's a good word. That they just kind of laid themselves down and said, no, they, were, they went out and they preached the gospel. They, they loved not their own lives. They, they laid down their lives for the sake of the gospel. And, and much like we, if persecution begins to come, I'm, I'm not laying down my life. I'm not just going to say, here I am, take me. I might say, hey, I've got some addresses and phone numbers of people. <laughs> I'm but I'm not going to stop doing what God called me to do either. I'm not, if they say if you preach the gospel, you're going to be imprisoned, then they're going to have to come and find me. And if they find me, they can lock me up. But I'm not going to stop preaching the word of God. The first reason that they did not stop preaching, that they, that they didn't just say, take me, is because they had a mission. They had a commission, a great commission. And that commission is preach the gospel to all the world. And common sense says, I can't preach the gospel if I'm dead. Right? There are limitations. I can, Paul said, I can preach in a prison. I can preach with stripes on my back. I can preach through a shipwreck. But I can't preach if I'm dead. And so I'm not just going to lay down my life and say, kill me. But what I am going to do is I'm going to keep on preaching the gospel. The second reason is because they had a brain. And I'm very excited about dying for, for any cause. You're just excited. I know, I, will I do it? Absolutely. Will I be glad if I get to, to die for the sake of the gospel? The Bible says they were. 
And I'm guessing when that time comes, if that's what I'm called to do, I will be. But right now, it doesn't bring me great joy to think, you know, one day I might, you know. There are a lot of other things that bring me joy. If I had to prioritize it, come a little bit ahead of that. But, but when persecution began to scatter the people, it did not do away with the church. Amen. When persecution began to come and they began to scatter into Judea and into Samaria and in, into all of the different cities that they were scattered into and nations that they scattered into, it did not do away with the need for the church. And I see that kind of during the whole COVID scene when we had to shut down for 10 weeks or so. And, that's not, and then we got together in the parking lot for a few weeks before we could get back. I saw all kinds of memes and people on Facebook and, and social media saying things like, well, the, the, we don't, the building is not the church. And, and, and we are not the church, that, that we the people, the people are what the church is. And I agree in essence with that, but I think fundamentally that is not true. Yes, I know that the church is more than the building. The church is greater than the building. But amen. The, but, but the building, the assembly, amen, the, the place that we come together, the place that we have things in common together, it is a necessary ingredient in end time revival. And when they begin to persecute the church, when they begin to persecute Jerusalem, which was their source, Jerusalem did not become irrelevant. Jerusalem did not just disappear. It did not vaporize or dismantle. But what happened is the purpose of the church shifted. The purpose of what, of what went on in Jerusalem began to transform. It was no longer about if I can just make it to church, I'll get my breakthrough. If I can just get to church, I'll get my blessing. If I can just get to church, we'll break bread and I'll have plenty of food. If we can just get to church, the, the apostles will begin to distribute and my social needs will be met. But no, the church began, its purpose began to shift and transform. And I believe in 2021, God is shifting the purpose of the church. God is transforming the purpose of why we come together. What, what I'm not saying is that we don't need to, if they persecute us, we've still got to find a way to get together. If they walk in here today and say, Pastor, if you don't stop preaching some of those things that you preach, we're going to have to execute you. If they do that, just know they're going to have to execute me. But you better find a way to keep on getting together. You better find a way. To, the Bible says we cannot forsake the assembling of ourselves together. But the shift in the end time revival that's about to take place is where the church is no longer our source. Amen. But there's got to be a shift in the, in the, in the book of Acts church. There was a transformation that took place where the church went from being their source to being their resource. Here's what I mean by that. Look at the book of Acts chapter 8 verse 14. The Bible says the apostles which were at Jerusalem. Everybody say that was the church. Jerusalem, that was 40,000 believers at one time were in Jerusalem. That was the source. That is where they broke bread together. That is where the upper room experience took place. 
But now it's not just about that. It's not just about us all getting together and speaking in tongues together. It's not about us all getting together and breaking bread. But now the Bible says the church at Jerusalem begins to send forth. And they send forth Peter and John to go to Samaria. Acts 11.22 says the church at Jerusalem sent Barnabas to go to Antioch. The church at Jerusalem is no longer the source where I just come to get everything I need. Where if I need a blessing, I just go find my way to church. If I need a breakthrough, I go find my way to church. If I need a little bit of help paying my rent, I just need to go find my way to church. And I'm not against any of that. But what I am saying is when end time revival begins, and I believe we are on the threshold of that right now, we're no longer going to see the church as our source, but we're going to see it as our resource. Acts chapter 11, verses 27 through 30. I'm going to summarize. They send, the Bible says that they sent prophets from Jerusalem to Antioch. And then in that same portion of scripture, that they sent relief to the brethren that were dwelling in Judea, out of Jerusalem into Judea through the hands of Barnabas and Saul. They delivered the relief to the elders that were there in Judea. So instead of the church at Jerusalem being the source it became the resource. In, instead of it becoming a center where everybody gathered together, it became an epicenter where everything began to be sent out from. It became an epicenter of earth-shaking revival. They would say of these men that were sent forth out of Jerusalem into the cities surrounding and nations surrounding, they said of those men, these are those who turned their world upside down. But that will never happen as long as the church is only our source it will only happen when we realize the church is my resource in other words I'm not just surviving Monday through Saturday so I can get to church on Sunday to get what I need no I'm going to church on Sunday so that I can take revival with me to work on Monday God is about to transition this building from a place where we come to get everything we need, where we come to get what we need to go feed a hungry world. It was a place of training and understanding. On many occasions, we find that when the disciples and apostles returned to Jerusalem, I'm, I'm sorry, let me back up. In Acts 15, when the church, a, a very, very, big issue in, in that time in Acts 15 was the issue of circumcision. There, there is literally a church split, like a whole Christianity split about to take place because some believe that you still got to be circumcised, fleshly circumcision to be saved, and the other believe that you're condemned to hell if you're still preaching circumcision. And so there's the vision that's taking place. And so what do they do? They go back to Jerusalem so that they can study and get wisdom and understanding from the apostles. And so Jerusalem, the church, became a place of training and understanding. So what's going to happen is you're going to go on your job. They're going to begin to ask questions you don't know the answers to. But you're going to come back to Jerusalem. You're going to come back to the church. And you're going to get training and you're going to get understanding so that you can go back to Judea. And you can go back to Samaria. And you can go back to your boss. And you can go back to your neighbor. And you can tell them, here's what I found in Jerusalem. Here's what I found in the house of God. I found the answer. 
On many occasions we find that when disciples, they would go out, much as Sister Monk is going to the Netherlands, they would go out into these cities as kind of aim workers. They would go into these nations and they would preach the gospel. And then when, they, when their resources were used, they would come back to Jerusalem. When they were weary, when they were tired, they would come back to Jerusalem so that they could get resupplied to go back out again or get commissioned on another missionary trip. But every time they would come back to Jerusalem, they would begin sharing testimonies. Uh, they would begin talking about the goodness of the Lord. They begin sharing with one another, hey, I was on my job. Brother Moses sends me testimonies about every other week about good things. That's what I'm talking about, Brother Moses. That's what God is going to do through this church, uh, that, that those co-workers put a sign over his desk. What did it say again? Authentic Bible thumper. That's what I'm talking about. I think every one of you need to get your coworkers so fired up about how much you're sharing the gospel. They put an authentic Bible thumper sign over your head. They, be, they would come back together again, though. They would come together on Wednesday night, and rather than just sharing prayer requests of what they need, and I'm all for that, we need to do that, but somebody over there would raise their hand and say, hey, what we learned in church on Sunday, I took it to my workplace on Monday, and five people were filled with the Holy Ghost in a break room on Monday, and somebody on the other side of the room would stand up and say, yesterday I prayed for somebody that was blind in my neighborhood, and God opened up their eyes, and they would begin to share testimonies. God is about to transition this church from being a place of source to being an epicenter of resource. It would share testimonies of the good things. Sister Monk, when you come back, I don't want you to just come back and show us pictures of Holland. I've been, I know it's a beautiful nation, but I want to hear stories of lame walking. I, I want to hear, that's why we're, that's why we're sowing seed into this. It's because when she comes back, she's going to share testimonies of what God is doing in the Netherlands. And then we're going to tell her what God's been doing in the United States while she's been over there. And the church, Jerusalem. Instead of being the source, it became a place of edification and encouragement. Whenever they needed encouragement, they would come back to Jerusalem. I, I need encouragement. How many of you know that persecution isn't always imprisonment? It's not always a threat of execution. But they've got some different names for it now. They've got the cancel culture. And the church right now is in the crosshairs of the cancel culture. And unless you align your preaching with what's acceptable in our world today, they will cancel you. Amen? But what do I do? Do I just stop preaching? No, I just come back to Jerusalem. And I get the encouragement that I need. I, I listen to the preaching and the teaching that I need to strengthen me. I just need to hear somebody tell me of the goodness of Jesus. And then I'll get back out there and keep doing what God has called me to do. It appears that in Acts chapter 13 and 14... That Jerusalem, that the revival that was taking place was so great that Jerusalem alone could not substantiate it all. And so 
Antioch became a a second hub of revival. That not just out of Jerusalem, but now the apostles in Antioch began to lay hands on prophets and apostles, uh, on preachers of of the gospel. And they began to be sent out both from Jerusalem and Antioch. I think it would be the will of God if by the end of 2021, we've got to plant another church at the north side of St. Mary's County because the revival that is taking place... Not in the building, but from the building. Not in this building, but from this building. Through each of you. Not what happens on Sunday. What happens on Sunday prepares me for what will take place on Monday. Both in Jerusalem and Antioch, they're sending. And then they're returning and they're sending, they're training and sending, returning. They're being edified and encouraged and sending them out again. And they're coming back, getting resourced and supplied and then sent back out again. And revival is just exploding. But once, what once had been a source, the book of Acts has now become a resource. The Acts chapter 1 through 7 church is nothing like The Acts chapter 8 through the end of the book of Acts church are two totally different churches, two totally different purposes, two dynamically different outlooks and perspectives. And in 2021, it is time for Living Hope to change our perspective of the church. I don't know if, if persecution is coming in 21. I think there's some level of it already there. Most of it right now is kind of mental and maybe verbal. Again, I'm not a doomsday prophet, but what I do know is whether or not persecution comes, whether or not the Apostle Paul had begun to persecute the church or not, it had always been the will of God for them to take the gospel into Judea and Samaria. It was never the will of God for the gospel to only reach into the dynamics of the city of Jerusalem. And whether or not persecution, I pray to God it doesn't take persecution. I believe God sent persecution because that's the only way he could get them beyond Jerusalem. Have you know we've had it pretty good as a church for the last, I don't know as long as I've been alive, it's been pretty good. I've not one time felt threatened when I walked into church. Not one time have I had to walk past people that were threatening my life if I came in this building. Not one time I've had people laugh at me perhaps. I'm, I'm sure people laughed at me. I didn't know they were laughing, but I've never felt threatened. And because things have been so easy, if we're not careful, Jerusalem becomes our source. And just going to church, it's about what I can get, about what I need. I just, I need another breakthrough. I need a blessing. Pastor, I need you to preach to me a word. I, I need a word from God today, Pastor. And we come to church with this consumer mentality. And God is shifting that in 2021, that living hope. It's no longer about what you need. It's no longer about you getting a word for you. It's about you coming and getting supplied. It's about you coming and getting resourced. It's about you coming and getting equipped and trained so that you can go into all the world and preach the gospel. Pray it doesn't take persecution. If right now God is saying, I'm trying to shake them up, they're still not going. I guess I'm going to have to go ahead and push the button. The persecution, I pray God, don't, you don't have to do that. We'll go. Amen. We don't, we don't have to have our lives threatened. I pray, I think we could answer that today. We don't have to wait for persecution. 
How many of you are going to be willing to go into your neighborhoods and go into your workplaces and go into the highways and byways. And if God calls you to the Netherlands, are you going to be willing to go? And if God calls you to another county, are you going to be willing to go? And if God calls you to another state or another nation, are you going to be willing to go? Because it's it's in time for Jerusalem. It's time to get beyond the borders of Jerusalem. And it's time to get the gospel to Judea and to Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. In 2021, it's time for us to focus, to shift our focus on this building. What is this building for? Time, I believe God has spoken to me as a pastor. It's time to shift my focus. It's not time to come on Sunday to make sure that we can all break bread together. Have a good time of fellowship. And and, uh, you know I love fellowship. Probably more than some of you would like, I love fellowship. I, I believe in all of that, but I believe that God is saying... To me, that it's no longer time on Sunday to get up here and preach a word that makes somebody feel better or gives you kind of a, you know, that buzz in your spirit that it's time every Sunday, Brother Silvati, I've got to come up here to equip the saints. I've got to come up here with a word that's going to help you to be equipped on Monday that when your coworker walks up and asks you a question, you're equipped to give them an answer that it's time to shift from from source to resource. still need to come together. But why we come together has got to transition. And here, here's, where we, here's where we could miss the mark on this, is when everybody in this building thinks I'm preaching to somebody else. And you think I know who I'm, who I'm talking to right now. I know who he means. He means that crazy brother James Phillips and that guy. I mean, he's like the apostle of Facebook. Look, he's the, he's the one. He's the one pastor's talking to right now. And I am talking to Brother James Phillips. But I'm also talking to Mary. I'm talking to Angelita. I'm talking to Brian. I'm talking to every person in this church right now. That it's time for us to shift our focus. That when I come to this building, I'm coming to get resourced so that I can go out into my world. And we got to do it, church. We got to do it. We're, run, we're running out of time. The end time revival is waiting on us, not on me, not on the preacher. My job is to equip you. My job is to train you. The apostles did not just scatter. They stayed in Jerusalem because they understood we have a mission, because there's going to be a John and a Mark that we've got to send into Samaria. Hey, we've got a mission. We've got to make sure when they need resources uh, that we can supply them with what they need. Uh, you we still need the church, but the mission of the church is changing in this last hour. Still needed Jerusalem. Stand with me if you would. They still needed. They still needed Antioch. They still needed the apostles and the elders. They still needed prayer, and they still needed breaking of bread. But instead of it being source, it became their resource. The church that was at Jerusalem was transformed from source to resource, from a place of ministry to a place that they would be trained, equipped, and commissioned to do ministry. I want us to raise our hands together all across this building. I I don't know. It's snowing. I want to get you home. I want to get you home safe. So I've tried to cut to the chase and maybe cut some corners and not maybe take the best pathway to explaining what God is speaking. I hope you all can receive what the Holy Ghost is telling us. I don't know what's coming. 
I don't know what's on the horizon, but I'm just telling you, hear what the Spirit is speaking to the church right now. Those of you that are going to continue looking to the, the church as your source, you're going to be disappointed. It's, it's not going to be able to be for you what it's been the last 40 years. It's not going to be able to be that. And really, God never intended it to be what we've let it become. God has another purpose in mind, and it's not for pastor to be the only preacher in this church. The Bible says all that were scattered went, and they preached everywhere they went. It's for you to be a preacher. Well, I don't, I, Pastor, you don't ever give me time in the pulpit. You, you misunderstood what it means to be a preacher, if that's what you think. Everybody that preaches behind this pulpit from now on is going to be here for one reason. That is to equip you so that you can be a preacher of the gospel. So that you can go into your workplace and your schools and, and your campuses and you can stand before others that are unbelievers and, and you can boldly declare to them the word of the Lord. We're not, we're not getting up here to entertain you and to impress you and, and, to, and, to, and to just put a few fancy words together with a nice graphic up on the screen. One job from here forward, and that is to equip you to do the work of ministry. Our focus must shift from entertaining to training, from simply encouragement to empowerment from enriching to equipping, from gathering to sending. So I pray today, would you raise your hands with me, Lord? I want to become that sending church. Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without knowing the exact path that it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. Be sure to subscribe and watch us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also, visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. So